Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Praise the Lord. God's good. Well, it's good to be home. Praise God. Pastor Angela and I took a week off. Praise the Lord. We had uh, some, did some work and had some time to relax as well. Praise the Lord. Had a good time. It's good to be back. Always good to be home. Praise God. With your family. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Have a prayer request that was turned in by Jean Sykes. Her mom lost her wallet with all of her sensitive information, a credit card, social security numbers, bank book, you know, everything. Uh, she's canceled everything and called uh, where she was, where she thinks she uh, lost it. Uh, no one turned it in. Jean came up to me before service and said, is, is this a, uh, a reasonable prayer request? Should we pray over this? And I said, absolutely. God knows where that wallet is, amen. And uh, they want us to pray that it's found and also that no one uh, uh, uses any of her uh, information, you know, no identity theft, amen. That's her information, belongs to her. Doesn't belong to anybody else, amen. God knows where it is and he knows how to, to uh, stop somebody from trying to do anything wrong, amen. Father, we just lift up Jean's mom before you and her situation, glory to God. Father, we set ourselves in agreement with her that no one will use any information that they found in this wallet uh, in, an, in an inappropriate way. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that her information is secure and that your hand is upon it, Father. Glory to God. And no harm will come to her. And we further, we pray, Lord, that her wallet will, will be returned to her, either direct her mom to the wallet or someone to give it back to uh, someone so that it comes back. Father, we claim that. We ask for it as your children. Glory to God. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. We call it done. We believe it. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. I know my, my wife one time had a, a purse snatched in the parking lot of a, of a, of a store. And uh, we prayed and she not only, and she had, you know, I don't know, she had some money in it, not a $20, $30, something, some small amount of money. And uh, she got her purse and wallet back and there was more money in it when she got it back than it was when it got snatched. I won't go into how that happened, but that's absolutely the truth. She ended up with more money. There was more money in her wallet. They re they, what is this? A late prayer request. Uh, they returned it, but they felt bad about it and they added money to it. <laughs> that's absolutely the truth. Praise God. Glory to God. Uh, give me just a second. <clears throat> this is uh, from uh, Leah and Kirby, uh, someone they know, Charles uh, Godwin. Uh, having back surgery tomorrow morning, they want us to pray for successful surgery. That the doctors will have wisdom and uh, during the surgery and so forth, guide their hands and pray for an effective surgery and a speedy and supernatural recovery. This man, uh, Charles, is born again. He's a child of God. So let's just pray over that. Father, we thank you today for your child. We thank you, Lord, for watching over our brother Charles. Father, we pray for a good surgery, that everything will go well. Father, that you'll guide the surgeon's hands and, 
and not only the surgeons, but the whole support team, all of the doctors and nurses that are involved, Father, technicians and so forth. Father, that everything will go well. Glory to God, a good outcome. Father, and that he'll have a speedy, supernaturally fast recovery. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want to comment in in a few minutes. I'll wait a few minutes on something that uh, uh, David said tonight when he was talking about uh, tithing and about uh, the nations causing you, calling you blessed. You know, it says that uh, all nations will call you blessed. It doesn't say they'll have to like it when they do it. It doesn't say that they'll necessarily mean it as a compliment. Amen. I'll share that with you a little, a little further in my teaching because I was going to teach on that scripture anyway. I want you to go with me, first of all, to uh, this passage of scripture. Go over to the book of Psalms, and I want you to look at Psalm 34. Psalm 30, uh, excuse me, 24. Psalm 24, verse number one. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. Well, that's true. The Lord is the creator. Everything belongs to him. Isn't that right? The earth is the Lord and all its fullness. That means everything in the earth. And then go with me over to Psalm 50. Psalm 50. We see the same thing stated in, in a little differently essentially says the same thing. Psalm 50, verse number 10, we'll read down through verse 12. Psalm 50, verse 10, for every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. I want you to notice he says all the wild animals But then he says also the cattle on a thousand hills, that's domestic animals. In other words, even the cattle that belongs to somebody else belongs to him. Are you a cattle baron? Well, just remember, it's really God's. Amen, he owns everything. You 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 can brand it all day long, but it's still the Lord's. Amen. And if it's the Lord's, he can move it around. He can move it around. He can put it into the hands of people he wants it to be in. Amen. Now, I'm not saying God's a thief. I'm just saying God has a way of moving things around. And he always does it honorably. And he always does it uh, with the highest of ethics. But God is in control when we believe him to be. Now, he's not in control of people's lives who aren't in faith. But when people are in faith, that puts God in control of things around them. It says here he owns all the cattle on a thousand hills and, uh, and then also all the wild animals in the world. Verse 12 says, if I were hungry, this is the Lord speaking, if I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world is mine and all its fullness. Do you know God doesn't need your stuff? <laughs> He doesn't because he already, he already has everything. He has access to everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it says the world is mine in all its, all its fullness. Go with me also to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. 
Genesis chapter 14. We have another clue of this very same truth. In verse 22, Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, notice, the possessor of heaven and earth. God is the possessor of heaven and earth. But we also know this. This doesn't take away from this. This goes along with it. In Genesis chapter one, when God created man, in verse 26, he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them, that is mankind, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Notice everything belongs to God, but he gave man authority over it. He said, I want you to exercise dominion. That means authority. Have authority over the entire earth. He talks about the fish that fish that swim through the sea, the birds that fly through the air, the cattle, and, and that would be wild and domestic. Amen. Over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Somebody said we even have authority over creeps. Amen. We need to have authority over creeps sometimes. Then go back to Psalm 8 again. Psalm 8. Hallelujah. Let's start in verse number one. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Now a little side thought here is in Matthew's gospel, it says, it quotes this verse, but the Holy Spirit in Matthew's gospel put a little different uh, uh, emphasis on this and changed uh, the meaning a little bit. Verse two says, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Matthew says, you have perfected praise. Why? Because of your enemies, God's enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Did you know our praise is what God uses to silence the enemy? Amen. That's talking about the devil, the enemy, the avenger. The Bible says that the devil is uh, the accuser of the brethren and he accuses Christians before God. The devil comes before God and accuses you and me and uh, of this and of that and so forth. What's, what silence is that? Our praise. If I were you, I'd do more praising. You sure don't want God listening to what the devil's got to say. Amen? Because some of it might be right. He might be telling on you and he might be telling the truth about you. I know he's a liar, but he can use the truth to his advantage. 
Have you ever, you ever done something wrong and you repented of it and asked God to forgive you and you went on and put it behind you and then the devil came back a couple of days later and said, and reminded you of it? You did this? You, well, did you do it? Well, yeah. See, he's, he's, a, he's an accuser. And, and it, it's a lie in the sense that you've been forgiven. God's wiped it out so it doesn't exist anymore. And so you can tell the devil, that's not true. That person that did that, all that's been washed away. I'm not guilty of anything. Amen. And see, praising God helps, but that's not my message tonight. Hallelujah. Just goodies in all these verses. Go to Hebrews chapter two. Hebrews chapter two. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter two. You know what? We, we didn't finish that. I got, I got carried away with that verse and we didn't finish. We didn't read what I was going to talk about in that verse. Go, <laughs> go, to, go to, to Psalm 8 again. Let's go back and get all of that. Praise God. Got inspired about something else. Forgot the verses I wanted to read. Let's, let's pick up in verse two and keep on reading. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Matthew says, perfected praise because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands you have put all things under his feet. Now see, God, because he's the creator, he, he is the possessor of heaven and earth. He owns everything. The world and all its fullness belongs to God. But he's put it in our hand. He's put it under our feet. Everything he's created, he's put in subjection to man. That's what he did in the Garden of Eden. He told Adam, he said, go out and, and exercise dominion over everything, over all the earth. Here, it says, over all the works of your hands, you've put all things under his feet. Well, you know, it doesn't look like that sometimes. Isn't that right? You see the things going on in the world and you see, well, boy, man sure isn't exercising much authority. Looks like everything else is, is, is dominating mankind. Well, there's a reason why. Go to Hebrews 2 now. Verse number five. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. But one testified in a certain place saying, what is man that you are mindful of him? or the son of man that you take care of him. We just read that. He's quoting from the Psalm we just read, Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, talking about mankind, he left nothing that is not put under him. So that means everything God created on this earth, he put in subjection to mankind. But notice the next part of that, the last part of that verse. 
But now we do not yet see all things put under him. That doesn't mean it wasn't put under him. It just says we don't yet see it. Now, the reason we don't yet see it, of course, is because the fall of man. God put Adam and Eve in the garden, gave them authority and dominion, and they exercised that until they sinned. As long as Adam and Eve were obedient, everything was in subjection to them. But as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, as soon as they transgressed, they fell from the place of fellowship and they fell from that place of glory and honor. Remember that in this verse? It says you've crowned him with glory and honor. Well, they lost that crown of glory and honor when they sinned. And so because of that, the world has never seen mankind exercising authority over the earth. There's, a, there's another clue here. Verse five says, for he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. The point is he's put it in subjection to man, not angels. But notice it's the world to come. This isn't gonna fully take place until the millennial reign of Christ. When Jesus returns after the tribulation and returns with the saints, and sets up his physical, literal kingdom on this earth for a thousand years. He's gonna rule and reign for a thousand years. The Bible says that the laws of nature are gonna be changed. And uh, the wild animals even will be at peace with one another. During this time is when you're gonna see the fulfillment of what God gave to Adam and Eve back then when mankind exercised authority in the earth. And it's gonna come, it's gonna, it's gonna operate through those who belong to Christ. When Christ comes back, he's coming back in full glory. He's coming back in full majesty. He's coming back in full power. He'll not tolerate anything that's wrong or sinful. And those of us who, uh, Christians who've died and gone with the Lord are those who will be raptured uh, right at the, uh, at, before the beginning of the tribulation. All of us will return with him. We're gonna rule and reign with him. We're going, to, we're going to see the earth. We're gonna see mankind exercise this kind of, uh, of dominion. But it's part of what God gave to Adam and, and, and to mankind through Adam. It says he crowned him with glory and honor. That's another important uh, thing to note in this verse. Number seven, talking about the original creation, you crowned him with glory and honor. Now in verse number, the latter part of verse number eight says, now we do not yet see all things put under him, but verse nine says, we see Jesus. <laughs> but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with what? Glory and honor. If you know, if you've read the life of Christ, you know that while he was here, even though he was made a little lower than the angels, even though he became a, a, a flesh and blood and took on, the nature, uh, took on the nature of mankind, he was still crowned with glory and honor. He's, he's called in the New Testament the, uh, uh, the second Adam, or the, excuse me, the last Adam. 
He's the last Adam, the second man, the last Adam. He operated here in the full potential of the authority and, and dominion and uh, so forth that Adam exercised during that time before he and, and, and Eve sinned. He was crowned with glory and honor. Well, praise God. Let's, let's pick up this glory and honor theme. We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things. Because you remember, all things, the entire creation was created by and through Christ. Isn't that right? He was, this was before he came in the form of a man. He always existed with the Father. And the Bible says that the worlds were created through him and by him. Isn't that right? Now, for it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Now I want you to notice we, we read it right over something that we need to pay attention to. It was fitting for him in bringing many sons to glory. That same glory and honor that Jesus was crowned with belongs to the believer in Christ because it says in verse number 11, both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. You and I, even though we're not in the millennial reign of Christ, the things that, that are gonna take place on, on a grand scale during the millennial reign in Christ when we rule and reign with him in our glorified bodies, our, we will have been uh, resurrected and, and uh, uh, if we uh, died you know, before Jesus comes, we'll be, our bodies will be resurrected, we'll be called away. If we're here on the earth whenever he comes back to catch away the church, we'll be changed at that time. This, this corruptible, uh, mortal uh, nature will be changed. We'll put on immortality. We'll go to be with the Lord. We'll be experiencing the, the uh, 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 bride, the uh, uh, supper of the lamb. All of that's gonna take place. We're gonna come back. And when we come back, we're going to be able to exercise the full authority without any, without any natural hindrance. Because you see, our, our, our natural man will be changed. How many of you know the natural man gives you a fit? The natural man keeps you below uh, what, what, what you should be walking in. But you know, to the degree that you determine to overcome that, you can overcome it. Now, I've not met anybody that's overcome it completely. Not in this life because, because we still are mortal. And because we are human and because we haven't been changed, we still make mistakes. And the Bible says we see through uh, things as, as if we're looking through a mirror, a, a murky, cloudy mirror. We don't see everything that we are gonna see one day. We don't have the full revelation that we're gonna have one day. But we're getting more revelation all the time. And, and you know, I, I don't know... Uh, you can, you can get as much revelation as you need 
to live an overcoming life. You're not going to see it all, but you can see enough to get you through and to have victory in this life. And see, to the degree that you'll lay a hold of it, to the degree that you can comprehend it on the inside of you and have your inward man grow to a point that you can lay hold of truth, to the degree that you can do that, you can walk in ever-increasing realms of authority. This natural world has to obey when a, a believer knows his authority and he speaks in faith and he speaks by the power of the Holy Spirit. Those three things working together. I tell you what, there's nothing, there's no force in nature that can withstand that. Amen. We, you know, when it comes to our authority, we've just scratched the surface, really. There's, we've, just, we've just stepped over in, just over into the edge of it. And some of us a few times have exercised some, you know, just inspired by the Spirit and, and full of faith and being built up, you know. It, it, we, we just, sometimes we've laid hold of some things. We've seen some tremendous things happen. But we have to contend and, and, and uh, persevere to stay in that place of revelation and to stay in that place of intimacy with the Spirit of God. And, and frankly, most people don't stay there. Most of us go in and out of that a little bit, probably more out than in. But that, that God's not keeping us out. Amen. This, the, the authority that God gave to Adam, Jesus is the owner. He's the rightful owner of all of that. And we're in him. And so we can exercise that authority in this world. I, I remember when I was a, a young Christian, I'd, uh, I don't remember how old I was naturally, but I, I'd been back in, in fellowship with the Lord for a few years. And uh, we would go out from our church, uh, some of the young uh, men in the church, we would go out, sometimes some of the young ladies, we would go out. I remember one time I, I knocked on the door and a man opened the door. It was a guy that I knew years ago. And he knew Angela. And he knew that, you know, we were married. And, but I, this particular night we were out witnessing and, and there was another lady from the church and she was with me. And we knocked on the door and, and I said, oh, Larry. And we, you know, got re, reacquainted and we came in. So, and, and he wasn't serving God. And, I, and you know, he, he, neither of us were serving God when we knew each other before. And so I'm, I'm witnessing to him, you know, and he's just sitting there glaring at me. And after about 10 or 15 minutes, he, he finally said, I made mention of this, of this woman's name. And then this look came over his face. He said, oh, he said, uh, and I said, you know, she's a, a lady from the church that goes out witnesses with me. And he, he thought I had divorced my wife and had another woman. And here I am witnessing to him. And he was ready to fight about it, you know. But uh, we would go out, you know, and some of us younger people in the church, we'd go out and uh, witness to people. And frankly, a lot of times you come up on some scary places. You don't know what's going on inside. You know, drug deals and all kinds of things. We just knock on doors. And, and, and a lot of times we'd, we'd encounter dogs. And I don't like mean dogs. Uh, I, I just don't want anything to do with a dog that's that's you know, over about 40 pounds and he's, and he's growling and you know, snipping out. I don't like that. And so we learned that we would just have to take authority over this. And we would go out and, you know, we believed it. We believed we had authority over everything that creeps on the earth. 
And so we would go out and we would take authority. And, and I'm telling you, we would walk into places and these dogs are just not, and we'd just get up there and say, no, in the name of Jesus, I'm going through that gate. And those dogs would just step back and look at us and just sit there and look at us. And then we'd start to leave and they started getting all gnarly again and start attacking the fence, you know. I mean, we have authority. It, it's, it's practical, our authority. It's practical. It applies where we need it to apply. Amen. Now, you might not think that's very needful, but if you'd have been there, you'd have thought it was needful. <laughs> the seat of your bridge is torn out. You'd think it was, was needful. No, God, God is interested in, in everything that pertains to our life and our fulfilling his call on our life. Amen. And we have authority, praise God. Now, there's another scripture I want you to look at. Go over to Haggai. That's uh, in the Old Testament, almost to the end of the Old Testament. If you can find Zechariah, it's right before that, Haggai. Haggai chapter two. Start in verse number six, Haggai two, verse six. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the, to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Now hold your place there and go with me over to Hebrews again. <clears throat> and let's look at the 12th chapter of Hebrews. Because we're gonna read in Hebrews where the writer quotes from the scripture we just read in Haggai. Hebrews 12, verse number 25. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. So this is in reference to this verse in Haggai 2, 7. It says, I will shake all nations. Well, verse six says, I will shake heaven and earth to sea and dry lands. I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations and I will fill this temple with glory. Now going back to Hebrews 12, it says, now this yet once more, indicates the removal of those things which are being shaken as of things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Jesus said one time, he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. In, in this verse number 26, Yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. When somebody says, okay, just once more, does that mean 
what they're talking about is gonna happen two more times or three more times or five more times or one more time. One more time. When somebody says just once more, now I know the song leaders sometimes, they'll say, let's just sing this just one more time and then we sing it five or six times, but okay, that's all right. When somebody, <laughs> when somebody says just once more, yet once more, one more time, that means this is it, this is the final time. This is the grand finale. This is the big deal. This is it. Isn't that right? Yet once more. The Lord said, he who promised said, yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken. God, when, he, when, when God gets ready to, sh this shaking, when this shaking takes place, the things that are shaken are not coming back. It's, it's the total removal of those things. As of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. The only thing that's gonna remain is what God said. And if you've built your life on what God said, you're gonna stand, you're gonna be in good shape. Isn't that right? Because this whole earth, this world, this earth is going, is, is going to experience a shaking. And God's word and people who stand on God's word are gonna be the only things standing. Amen. We cannot be shaken. Hallelujah. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. Now go with me back to, I wanted to put all this in context. Go back to Haggai 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land. Somebody said, when is he ever coming back? When has we've heard this? It's just a little while. It's just a little while, the way God sees it. And I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Now skip down to verse nine. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Now, if you take verse eight out of that, you don't miss anything. You, 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 don't, you don't detect that that something has been taken out. In other words, it still makes perfect sense. You know, if you take a sentence out of the middle of a paragraph sometimes, the rest of the paragraph doesn't make any sense. And now you can't connect them. But you can take this verse out. We're not going to, but you could take this verse out. And he says, I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts, and the glory of this latter temple will be greater than the former. But stuck in there is this statement that seems so peculiar. It seems so out of place. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. He hasn't been talking about silver and gold. But suddenly he starts talking about silver and gold. Now, because it's in this, in this passage, you have to interpret it in line with this passage. Even though it doesn't seem to, to, uh, to apply, doesn't seem to have any natural connection, but because it's there, we know it is connected. But the point that I want you to see is God said, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. And that fits right in with what we've already found out about the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. 
the world and all its fullness. Everything that's, that, that is alive on the earth, everything in the earth. Did you know God is the one who placed all of the gold in the ground? God is the one who placed all the silver in the ground. God put the copper there. God put all of the precious uh, jewels and, 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 and minerals and, all, and the oil and all of the God put it there. God caused those things to be where they are. He owns it all. He said, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. Now you have to interpret that in line with this passage that he said, I'm gonna fill this temple with glory and the glory of this latter temple will be greater than the former. In one sense, you could say that the silver and the gold has to do with the glory in the temple because he's talking about that. And, and, I, and there's not any there's not any clear explanation. So you just kind of look at it. You don't make a doctrine out of it. But it's also, uh, it also fits the context to say that all the silver and the gold that's in the earth, everything belongs to God. If it belongs to God, it's for his purpose. It's for establishing his work. It's for, for establishing his temple. It's for establishing... Who is the temple of God? What is the temple of God? We are. The church is the temple of God. The church needs to get a hold of the truth that we're not beggars in this earth. Everything we need is here and God put it here for us. God didn't put the gold and the silver in the earth for the devil and the children of the devil. He didn't put all of the gold and the silver for all of the drug dealers, for all the corrupt people, for all the thieves and liars and cheats. And No, he put the silver and gold to fund his work and for his children to use for his glory. Isn't that right? Our monetary system today isn't really based on a gold standard, but the money that governments print, so at least by, in theory, is somehow connected. And there are still some countries that are, that are connected to the gold standard. So he's talking about the gold and silver. He's talking about the wealth of this world. He says it belongs to him. But now we also found out that everything God created, he put in our control. Isn't that right? He gave it to man. Man lost it, but in Christ, we got it back in Christ. We, we, don't have it, we don't have it outside of Christ, but because we're in Christ, that authority, that dominion has been returned to us, isn't that right, over everything. Well, that would, that would include the silver and the gold as well as the cattle. I like the silver and gold better than the cattle, in fact. <laughs> you can have, if you like the cattle, you can have the cows. I'll have the silver and the gold. No, the point is, God placed all of this in the earth for his children and for the righteous to, to carry out his work, to fulfill his calling that the church can, can accomplish its mission. It belongs to us. Amen. And we have to take authority over it. And I, I think that we fail to do that very often because we don't perceive it as we should. Because of our system of, of, of economics and finance, uh, 
You know, it, it seems that our money, you know, we get, most of us get a paycheck. We, we work so many hours during the week. We have time off, but, but our work time, you know, we're, we're, we're working on the job. We're doing something and that job pays us and we get, we get money, a check. It's not even cash. It just comes to us in a check. We put it in the bank and we turn it into cash. And, and, and there's a lot of, of, a lot of changing of hands and, 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 and using all. And in that process, we lose sight of the fact that this very transact, the very transactions we're dealing with, our money, according to the word of God, is, and, and not just our money, but whatever we need in terms of money. Silver and gold, uh, you know, you might have some silver and gold, that, that's fine. But most of us, we operate with, with uh, dollars, isn't that right? With money. Well, all of that is ours. All that we need, we have authority to take hold of it. Amen. And I always tell people, whenever they have a financial need, claim what you need. Claim your blessing. Go to the Lord. You know, Jesus said, the Father knows what you need before you ask him. But that implies that we're going to ask him. He didn't say, the Lord knows what you need, so don't even ask. He said, the Lord knows before you ask, meaning that you're going to ask. And he said, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. For if you, being natural, know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him, children who ask him? Amen. That includes the money you need to operate. But because we're, we're in such a, 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 a convoluted system, I, I'm, economics is something that I know about. On a scale of one to a hundred, I know about two. I just don't understand. I don't understand much about economics and how everything moves and flows and, you know, all around, all the stuff, you know, I, I don't understand a lot about it. But that, I think that keeps us from sometimes, it, 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 it fogs things, clouds things, so that we sometimes fail to realize it doesn't matter what's going on in our system of, uh, of economics. It doesn't matter, it's not recession, depression, uh, uh, growing economy, shrinking economy, uh, debt, and all, all of those things, those are natural things, but they don't, have, they, don't, they don't invalidate the word of God concerning his promise to us. That we, we, he said he put the silver and the gold here for us. And so we can live and have his blessing and not just get by, not just survive, but, but be blessed in this life regardless of what's going on in the world. You know, I, I like, I, I know Dan, you know, he's a news junkie. I, I like the news too. I like to watch the news. Pastor Angela says, yeah, like all the time. No, I don't like to watch cooking shows and home shows and decorating shows. She like she would watch those nonstop. I mean, around the clock. I would watch the news around the clock. And and uh, I'm pretty nice. I, I I just give her the controls a lot of times. I say here, just watch this. It's okay. And you know, I, I'm just glaze over. 
And she's likewise. She watches the news with me and she glazes over. But you can watch the news and if you're not careful, fear can get a hold of you. And, and not just fear, but unbelief. Now, the unbelief is, is, is more subtle than fear. You just begin looking, you know, at, at what's going on and what everybody's saying and what this economist is saying and what this, this other people are saying. And, and before long, if you're not careful, you just, you just think, well, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. We're just not going to have any growth and there's just not any jobs and, and, and people aren't spending any money and you can't get a loan and, and um, uh, you know, just on and on and on and on and on. But, but wait a minute. The silver and the gold is mine, the Lord said. The silver and the gold is mine, the Lord said. Isn't that right? Amen. And, and so I tell people, you have, to, you have to shake yourself. Tell God what you want. He said, Ask. In John chapter 16, he said, up until this point, you've asked me nothing. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. God wants us to ask him. And then, and then you do it in faith and then take authority. That's the thing I want to get across to you. Take authority over the finances. Now, you, you know that there are some, some corresponding things that have to go with this. In order for your faith and for authority to work in finances, you have to be faithful to God in finances. See, a, a lot of people think, well, uh, you know, I, I'm, I live by faith and, and, and by grace. I'm in grace. I live in the grace of God. And so I'll just exercise authority and use my faith even though I'm not very faithful to God, you know, he's faithful and he's going to, and he's going to provide for me anyway. But people's actions reveal what they really believe. Paul made the statement one time about people. He said, they profess to know him, but by their works, they deny him. So, you know, you, you can, you can talk a good talk and you can say that you love the Lord. And you can say that you're living for God and claiming his blessings, but if you're not faithful to him, that tells an entirely different story. God sees the truth. He, he sees what motivates us. Isn't that right? And so, you know, if you're gonna be blessed, uh, you have to be faithful to God with your finances. A failure to... Be faithful in your finances is, uh, a uh, is really a revelation of the fact that you don't really trust God. You can say, I'm believing God. I'm believing God. God's going to come through. I believe God's going to meet this need. I believe I'm going to get this job. I believe this, this, this uh, investment is going gonna, is gonna to be uh, right. I believe it's, it's of God. You can, you can exercise faith and, and seem to, you can convince people around you that you're in faith. But when, you, when you're not faithful to him in finances, it's because you don't really trust him. You can say all this stuff about you trusting him to come through this time. But the truth is you don't really trust him. You see what I'm saying? That's why faithfulness and finances is so important. Because without it, there, with, without faithfulness, there is no faith. You can, have the, you can have the trappings of faith. You can have the words of faith. You can have the, 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 the image of faith. But without faithfulness, it won't work. 
Amen. And, and so I, I was going to talk about several things, but I, I see I'm going to run out of time tonight. Go over to Malachi where Brother Dave was reading tonight. Hallelujah. Malachi 3, verse number 8 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Think about it. I don't know about you. I don't know if, if that strikes you the way it does me. It just seems to me such an, an, uh, such a, uh, an, an unthinkable thing that a man would try to rob God. That's, that's outlandish. I, I could see somebody trying to rob me, but rob God? He said, will a man rob God? How, how ridiculous is that? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you, God? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Of course, we're talking about people who are under the law. We've been redeemed from the curse. He said, bring the, all the tithe in the into the storehouse that so there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. See, there's a blessing attached to tithing that is unlike anything else. There's a, there is a particular blessing attached to tithing. He said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. And listen, you, you know, you, you may like your, your TV preacher. He may think they're wonderful. But I'm telling you, the storehouse is the local church. The storehouse is the local church. He said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, into the local church. All the tithe. That means the entire tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Prove me now. Here, All the tithe means the, all the tithe. Amen. You know, the word tithe literally means a tenth. So on a dollar, the tithe is a dime. On a hundred dollars, the tithe is ten dollars. Isn't that right? On a thousand dollars, the tithe is a hundred dollars. It's one tenth. It's not an, it's not nine percent or seven point four percent. It's ten percent. He said, "Bring all the tithe into the storehouse." Now, he said in verse twelve. If you do this, he said, I'll open, the, in verse 10, I'll open up the windows of heaven, pour out blessing for you, that there will not be room enough to receive it. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. <laughs> when, when Brother Dave was reading this, I, I thought about a few months ago, 
we went out to lunch on Thursday is, is uh, Steve Morgan is, is in the office on Thursday. And so we've got the full staff here. And so we go out and have lunch on Thursday, all of us. And, and uh, uh, a few months ago, I don't know, two or three months ago, we went out and we started, we, the, we, we were reading the, the High Springs at the Herald or was it a lot of today? One of the, I think it was the High Springs Herald. We were reading the High Springs Herald and one of the writers in our illustrious town uh, likes to pick on churches. And for several weeks, he had been writing this, this uh, uh, piece, you know, this editorial or this comment that he was writing. And he was railing on the churches. How all the churches have all this money and they have all these big buildings and they don't pay any taxes and just going on and on and on. He started picking on me. He said, because he lives back behind me about a mile. And so when he comes home, he has to turn in just one property over from, from where I live and go down that side uh, road. And he lives back in the back back there. And, and he started talking about it. He said, there's a, a preacher in town and he's got this big house. And, and he said, he, he planted all of these mature palm trees in his yard. I knew he was talking about me because I did that just a few years ago. And I, I did. I planted 10 or 12 tall, I mean, big palm trees around my house. I completely landscaped my house. Well, you know, he's a, he's a, a green guy. I would have thought I'd have gotten some kudos from him. You know, I planted trees. <laughs> it's okay to plant trees. If you're a preacher, it don't count. But uh, he, he, he was railing on this preacher in town that has this big house down, and, and he put all these mature palm trees around it. And, uh, and, I, and I, I think what he was getting at, I think the tone of everything else he said, I think he thinks the church owns my house and that my house is tax free and all of that's tax, which is not the case. I own my house Pastor Angela and I own our house just like you do. The bank owns it. We have a, a mortgage. We own it. We have a mortgage. Uh, it doesn't belong to the church. It wasn't bought through the church. But I think he thinks that, you know, here's this church, you know, and this, it's a big building and we've got all this ground, this land, and we don't pay any taxes on it. And, and now the preacher, you know, and he's got this big house and he's got all these mature palm trees he planted. I mean, I, we, had a, we had a time at lunch. We laughed and laughed and laughed. But the thing, what, he's, what is he doing? He's calling me blessed. He doesn't know it. He's calling me blessed. He's talking about how blessed we are. We have this big church and we have all this land and we have all this money and, and we're just blessed. And we have all these palm trees. And we just got the biggest kick out of this guy is just railing on us. What's he doing? He's just talking about how blessed we are. I'm going to keep my palm trees. Thank you. I planted them. I bought them. And I'll see to that they live. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, praise God. We have the authority in this life to lay claim to what belongs to us. Use our faith. Use our authority. Be full of the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God rise up on the inside of you. When you have a need in your life, go before the Lord and get into his word. Build yourself up. Pray in other tongues. Get yourself uh, built up spiritually and let the spirit of God inspire you to lay hold of the promise of God. 
Let the spirit of God quicken the word to you so that it's alive on the inside and speak in faith and lay claim to what's yours. And let the newspaper rail on you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I better quit before I get into more trouble. Praise God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.